1: Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is magic with a K. Magic at its most basic is the manipulation of energy for spell work. On the path, we use magic to affect positive change or get rid of things that no longer serve our own lives and personal spirituality. Magical energy is neither positive nor negative, but neutral. It is the practitioner's intent that creates the effects. We don't agree with the Wiccan and read with the section often referred to as "in it harm none, do what you will." Unlike them, we do not believe there is pure white magic because any spell you cast will have some inadvertent harm that you may not even be aware of, despite intense preparation to ensure that the magic is going to be beneficial. The most famous example of this fact is if someone casts a spell to get a job and does the necessary follow-up work on the mundane to get it. If someone gets this job. Others will not. This is a basic fact in the universe. Someone else who doesn't get the job may be in a situation where, without it, they may lose their home or not be able to feed their children. The person who casts the spell does not want to deliberately harm anyone, but the harmful effects will still occur. We also do not hold with the Wiccan law of three, that whatever you put out in spell work comes back to you threefold. We believe that magical work affects what we term our sacred three, body, mind, and spirit, in different ways depending on what we are doing. So a practitioner must be prepared for the response of the universe when involved with spell work. On the path, we also spell magic with a K at the end. Some practitioners see this as the only way to spell it and others just see it as an affectation and is totally unnecessary. For us, there is a major difference because magical thinking with a K is actually about changing reality with action on the magical and the mundane. While magical thinking with the C is actually about not dealing with reality. This type of magical thinking is mostly wishing things could be different, such as if only I were X number of pounds thinner, I could be. Or if I won the lottery, I would be able to, which changes nothing. Good evening, Dave.
0: Hi, Elizabeth. How are you?
1: Ah, hanging in there. We both... Everything a little bit under the weather. You seem, Your sinuses seem to be better, which you've been struggling with, you
0: said. Well, it's at least gotten enough now that where my Google recognizes my voice is actually being me. Okay. There was a couple of days there where I really had a point on my head. You know, who are you and what did you do with Dave? Yeah,
1: that's why I never signed up for voice recognition. With, like, you know, the gas yep. electric company and places like that. And like, no, because if I'm calling them, I'm usually either A, upset, or B, something else is going on, and it doesn't recognize me as me anyway. Gotcha. But, tonight, we're focusing on Magic with a K. Right. Which sounds like it should be the name of a TV show on Disney somewhere, but probably not, because it's Magic with a C, as you like to say. Right, right. yep. Example, fantasy, wishful thinking, kind of crap. I kind of liked your definition that
0: you mentioned that magic is. Well, yeah, I mean, we, I, we, can, we 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 can start out right out with that because it's a gross oversimplification. But then we'll be able to look at different examples, um, folks. When I when I look at the difference between the word magic with the c, and the word magic with the k, to me, it's simply. With the C, I think of that kind of magic. I think of pulling a rabbit out of a hat. I think of sleight of hand. I think of cartoons at Disney and things that are not real. So for me, magic with the C, and this is not saying anything bad about it, but it is in and about a world of fantasy or Mm make-believe. Magic with the K for me is the purposeful and willful use of intent and energy to try to affect the real world and and reality and whatnot. So, yeah, when you say wishful thinking, I I think wishing upon a star in Disney, and people will say that, okay, well, wishing upon a star might be a bad example, but it's, it's clear to me where we're trying to work with a world of fantasy versus where we're trying to work with the world of the reality of our lives,
1: I think so, and I think that's a really good place to start. And then, you know, we magical energy that we're working with that we're manipulating deliberately in some way. And I'm not using manipulating in a bad word. I mean, moving it from point A to point B. Sure. Okay. I mean, um,
0: call it prayer. I mean, it's all—it's all the same thing. It's still yeah, exactly. will, willful application of intentional energy.
1: Exactly. But the big piece of that. Two to take away is, and we stress this all the time, magical energy is not positive or negative. It's neutral. We've spent too many years debating about the differences between white magic and black magic and good magic and evil magic and crap. Magical energy is neutral. It's your intent that moves it along whatever personal scale you look at that at.
0: Well, and that follows along perfectly with the way that I've grown to believe um, simply because it, you know, it it follows along with physics. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we're going to bring physics into it, people.
0: Buckle well, up. well, but well, physics physics doesn't, at all. Physics doesn't recognize. well. I'm not going to say that there's not dark energy, but that is simply a coincidence of the vocabulary that we're wrapping around it. The fact of the matter is energy is energy. It's not positive or negative. It's not good or bad. It's not lawful or evil. It is simply energy. It is our intention and what we do with that energy that creates all of the the good and the bad or the positive or negative or what have you.
1: Just how, how about a good word is repercussions because or, or, that's what happens. Sure, in circumstances. Yep. You know. Well,
0: it's funny the, that you that mentioned the reper, repercussions because you talked a little bit there in the um, in the text about you know giving examples where it's not actually in most cases really going to be realistically practical for you to try to do magic and harm no one. Because of the butterfly effect, something that happens to you is going to help or uh, change the way someone else's experience is. And on down the road, you know, use, use the example of, hey, if I get this job, that means that somebody didn't get this job. And and yes, while I'm sorry for their family, no, I'm not going to feel responsible for the repercussions of my magic. I just don't No see it that way um
1: i don't either but that's kind of the wiccan view and i mean that's why i say we don't agree with that yeah if it harm none do what you will i think unless it's an emergency and we've all done small work in emergency like because it's an emergency we need to consider is this something we really want and need so that magic matters
0: sure And that's just purity of intention in what it is that we're trying to accomplish.
1: Exactly.
0: You know, it's interesting over the last couple of years, one of the things that I've changed is that I, in most cases, I don't do magic with a K to or at any other being. Mm -hmm. Um, I practice magic on Dave because it's the context where I feel that I have a right to manipulate and, and use with energy and stuff like that. So the example that I use, is instead of trying to banish someone away from me, um, my kind of magic says, all right, give me the courage and the, the patience and the strength to be able to tolerate this person while they are near me. Mm-hmm. Um, because then here again, it doesn't matter positive or negative. The energy I'm like applying is in a context where it's it's me and so I feel like any repercussions will most likely be limited to me. I think if that so. makes sense. I, mean, know, so I So I try not to cast things on other people and get my, my bubbles of energy out there entangled in that same way. I, I kind of try to use my magic in house, so to speak.
1: I do too, and I think that works really well when we talk about we believe that magical work affects our sacred three of body, mind, and spirit. Absolutely, what we're doing, you know, is going to affect one of those, or all three of them, or you know, in turn one after the other, so that you know what I'm saying. So that yeah. So- So that you're keeping it in-house in that respect, even if in essence, as you say, because there are witches who curse. And I could see these circumstances where there might be some time where I would have to do that. Today, no, but it's always an option because we do have the magical wherewithal to be able to do that. Just recognize that we're going to take a hit for it. In that respect, because we are also going to be affected with an A, <laughs> right? you know, in terms of our body, mind and spirit in some way. Sure. And are we willing to take whatever those effects may be down the road or immediately?
0: Well, and I, 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 I like that you mentioned the, the threefold thing. and. Yeah. Um, All respect to other people's practices, I understand that that is a universally popular concept. To me, I only struggle with it because I listen to the way my universe or my God or my whatever talks to me. Mm-hmm. And, and when I hear thou shalt not do anything or it'll come back on you threefold, to me instantly that sounds like a threat. It sounds like a punitive, penitent voice, like a patriarchal, historically influenced voice. And okay. quite frankly, the the higher power or the spirit or the universe that I connect with now in my life would simply not speak to me that way. No. It wouldn't say, you watch what you're doing or I'll get you three more times. That just seems so clear and blatantly, obviously created than something natural that I'm going to experience with the universe. So the the whole threefold thing has always been a little bit of a chuckle for me and a little bit of a tell. Um, and I know I ruffle some feathers that way, but you know, it's it is what it is.
1: Well you have to look at where that statement came from historically too. Right. And
0: that's what I'm saying. That that was from, in.
1: From the creation of Wicca back in the nineteen fifties. And there is something wrong with acknowledging that Wicca was started in England in the 1950s, people. Just because it's a newer religion doesn't make it valid if you choose to practice it. So we'll leave that part alone. But when you think about it, the people back then who were making sure that the local police we're not about to arrest them or hassle them because they were out in the woods practicing black magic, which unfortunately, or negative magic or however you wanted to phrase it, it was a way to reassure the the, the populace that we're not out to hurt anybody. And that was kind of where that came from in a historical okay. sense you sure. know what I'm saying in that yep. respect? And I mean, if you really want to look at it, the, the, the actual magical practitioner sure. in modern times that is most associated with insisting magic we spell to the cave was actually Alistair Crowley. Right. Who was considered a very notorious individual. In his own right, in terms of his magical practices back in the day, he was known as the Beast and the Wickedest Man Alive and sure. a whole bunch of I mean, epitaphs, you know, that, the, the, yep. that people used to curse him out for. I mean, he he actually, you know, didn't care about the sage magic feast. He knew what the hell he was talking about, you know. Right. He said, those of you know who are talking about magical practices from thousands of years ago in a college somewhere, no, they're not talking about pulling a rabbit out of a hat like you were mentioning. But his big reason was that he considered magic to be anything a person that moved a person closer to fulfilling their ultimate destiny. Right. Which kind of like sounds like the sort of magic we focus on sure where we figure out how we can be our best selves
0: each and every day
1: each and every day exactly each
0: and every day and and that's, that's not, why it's the path
1: and if that's not magic i don't know what is
0: right well yeah i just wanted to mention that threefold thing because like i say to me it just oh, it, it sounds like a threat and, and my my deities don't interact with me that way anymore
1: It sounds like something a parent would say to a kid. Well,
0: that's just it. Yeah. That's that's not the type of relationship that I feel that many of us have with with spirit.
1: I don't think so. However, you perceive the divine of the universe. It's not, though I joke about getting bobbed over the head by that cosmic two by four, it's not a real two by four, you know, (laughs) periodically when new ideas come up.
0: Sure. Yep. We all get those aha moments, and sometimes uh, yeah. they, sometimes they look like oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm, Yes. Well, that's what Alice claimed he needed to do with a donkey to get his attention was hit him in the forehead, <laughs> and then he'd move. <laughs> <laughs> Just terrible. And, and, wow. Yeah, no, that's the truth. That's where that, that whole idea comes from. And I will be the first one to admit that sometimes the universe has to get my stubborn ass's attention.
0: Well, like no, I'm
1: not writing another book. I just finished one.
0: So, uh, so we're definitely covering the birth section anyway. <laughs> yes. Very, very good. And I, I, I know. The, the words and the spelling of magic can be sort of, I mean, some people get a little interchangeable with it or whatever or read it the same way, but I try when I can to see that K as being something special, mm-hmm. some something, I'm sorry, this pun is just terrible, but magical, um, something precious, you know what I mean? So when I add that extra K, I think that's part of, me reinforcing my own intentions um, as a practitioner.
1: Oh, yeah. I've had to add it, I don't know how many different dictionaries when I'm writing because you start out with magic and then there's magical and magically and eight magics, you know, and you start having to, yes, add it to dictionary because you're not going to tell me every time I use it in spelled wrong.
0: So that's so yin and yang about you and I, because I refuse to add it to my dictionaries. I want to go through and see it underlined, and when I go through and do a review, I count. Just I'm a weird number counter kind of some, somewhere in that autistic spectrum anyway. But mm-hmm. I love having them in there and I refuse to add it to my dictionary. I want that word to be special.
1: <laughs> well, no, I understand. It's just I am sure. writing. I my because I, I will look back and start reading something. My eye automatically goes to the reds. Yep. I start losing context and content yep. when I reading stuff, so I have to fix it, but then I spend more time probably writing craziness on the computer anyway than you do on a regular basis,
0: well, let's say you spend more time writing in the English language on a computer than I do. <laughs>
1: That's what I meant. You know, Most of
0: mine is HTML and JavaScript. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different focus, but yeah. No. You,
1: but, but I get the point, and you also write code, which I never want to know how to do. Thank you.
0: it it is magical with a k it has its own universal characteristics and then there are worlds of different languages where different behaviors are different so yeah it's it's the it's fun and it's it's something i'm passionate about
1: it's the same idea yep it's like my characters live with me right right yeah. you got it yes so with that being said i think we've covered the whole idea of magic with a K pretty clearly for people and why a lot of pagans or witches tend to use it or not right you know either one works depending on your perspective and that's kind of what these podcasts are all about is we talk about our perspective from the past and we welcome hearing about yours.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I'm starting to get a little bit more activity back at the Discord again. and uh, It's going to be sometime in the next couple of weeks. Elizabeth and I are going to get together to get this YouTube panel off the ground. So uh, mm-hmm. I just want to put in a plug for that for those that are listening. and uh, Hang with us. We'll get things together for you. Yes, now
1: that your sinuses are finally starting to treat you like a person again. (laughs) And not as the mortal enemy. Right. So with that being said, if you want to get in touch with us for some reason, and you have questions or comments, and you're not part of our Patreon, so you have access to the discard, you're welcome to email either of us. I'm Elizabeth at Two Young TwoYoungCrones.
0: And I'm Dave at
1: TwoYoungCrones.com. Yes, and okay, with that being said, may you be safe, be well, and be blessed, like you say.
0: In all things, find birth and reverence.
1: While we've been having discussions around what we call our metaphysical kernels of thought, which are the whys that form the basics of our beliefs on the path, we recently realized that we could also share about our practices as well. These are the hows and what's that we, as practitioners on the path, actually do in our own lives. So we're calling this new segment Practices of the Path. This segment will be about everything from the various tools that we work with, as well as those we don't and why, to the solar and lunar cycles, herbs we use, crystals and stones that we work with, candles, incenses, oh my, and anything else we come up with that can give an understanding of what we personally do with our magical practices. So since we kind of started off with tools, for want of a better word, and we talked about and wands, it seemed to be appropriate, in my mind anyway, to move on to chalices. because. Absolutely. Sue and I always associated wands with the east because it's that kind of energy for us, or not wands, excuse me, swords, with the east, and then wands with south, and now chalices with west,
0: and water, and so on,
1: because they're a drinking cup or goblet.
0: And I, I ask you to backtrack and walk through that one again, just because my ears need to hear it a second time.
1: Sure. Sue and I always associated different tools with a different direction yeah
0: yeah The what i got was the athame which is east which is air yep and then ones which are south, south and fire mm-hmm. and now chalices which are west, west and water, and water.
1: Exactly. I'm learning. I'm learning anyway. <laughs> I understand. And different people associate different things. There's sure. always a great debate in the Comedian community about swords and mons anyway because of tarot and the golden
0: dawn and the way they – Well, and you and I talked about here uh, an episode or two about, you know, you can use a pointed stick. You can use your finger. You can use whatever. Get over it. Exactly.
1: (laughs) But Webster's Dictionary, which I'm very fine, defines a chalice as a drinking cup or goblet, often used in some type of religious ritual. Especially the Eucharist, which is very Christian, but... So it's a special glass. So it's a special glass. and And there is much made of, it should be a cup, some people go nuts like it should be a cup with a foot.
0: Okay, yeah, right. I was I mean, going to ask you about that. I, I have appreciate. my my current chalice is a piece of cobalt blue glass that my loving Susie collective has then left me with. So this is what I've been using lately for like, uh, when I do my um, uh, after housel offering and whatnot.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't, it, I don't think it matters, you know. If you got a plastic cup handy because you're living with two-year-olds.
0: Well, and that's just it. I mean, I've I've used a um, uh, saucer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me, I'm always trying to take things down to a purist level. You know, at the very least, I can cup my hands together and hold some rainwater or something like that and offer that. So it's a bowl for ritual uses like an athame is a blade for ritual uses
1: precisely yes well it's more now let me get
0: a little more
1: didactic because we think of it as a cup for ritual uses as opposed to a bowl because a bowl would relate more to a cauldron which is Norse but that'll be next week's discussion <laughs>
0: Okay. All right. I'm starting to see a little bit of uh, clarity on the conversation that you and I had earlier. So, yeah, I'll leave that alone and let you walk me through that next week.
1: Yeah, but the whole idea is cups and always held some sort of sacred liquid in that respect. Right. There's the tradition that... The cup used by Jesus at the Last Supper was taken by Joseph the Arab to somewhere in England and hidden and it became the Holy Grail that yep. I quested for and never found.
0: I you have know, my own I have my own pair of coconuts over that. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> but you understand <laughs> what I'm saying. So so the idea is it's a special cup sure. and you're using it in a ritual setting.
0: Absolutely.
1: If after ritual, you throw it in the holy dishwasher, go for it.
0: And I do generally, when I can, I like to use something that, as you, you called it, footed. I I think of it as stemmed. Yeah. But yeah, I do like to have something like that. Because for me, then, especially if I'm holding it up and offering it, it just seems to be a more special uh, Primally ritual. I can picture a uh, caveman two hundred thousand years ago doing this with something that he had found and, and holding it up to the moon or something. Mm-hmm. So there's something very visceral about it to me, to holding it up by the stem.
1: Well, yeah, I think so. And I think that's what makes it special. If you think about you make toasts at weddings. Yep. You hold it by the stem, and it's a celebration, and it's important. And for us on the path, we tend to use that sort of cup for the sharing of food and drink. Right. Which we'll talk about, because I think we have a metaphysical kernel of thought coming up soon about what we call cakes and ale. Everybody else calls cakes and ale we call house. But. You put your liquid in that or you can, if you are doing some sort of special working that involves water that you want to pour out for some reason, you will often we would often use a chalice for that act as well, that it's the sure. pouring out or the lifting up. I think that makes the chalice kind of special.
0: Sure or in some cases um i don't remember if it was with you and susan or if it was with an older coven previous to that um i know you were around but and this is this is pre-covid and pre germ Mm-hmm. So to speak, but I can remember being parts of ritual where a, a portion of wine or something ceremonial bead was poured into a chalice, and then the chalice was passed around the circle, and it was a, it was an act of bonding. It was an act of group communal intimacy, so to speak.
1: It was an act of sharing drink together. Right. Right, breaking
0: bread together. Yeah, Yeah.
1: absolutely. Which, if you get technical about it, is how Holy Communion works in many churches.
0: Right, right, absolutely.
1: Like they used to. You know, it's been years, you know. But you have the chalice, and and it's very visceral in respect if you see a religious figure holding that cup up in front of a congregation for all to see. I would have a symbolic meaning in that respect. And I don't care who started it. It's one of those religious things that everybody's borrowed so much stuff from each other that
0: it well, that's, that's why I was saying earlier about the whole primal thing of holding something together in your two hands and holding it above your head mm-hmm. up at the sky. There's something in our genetics, in our DNA, yeah. going way, way, way back. Um, it's just coincidence that the other night I rewatched 2001, but that uh, dawn of man, that, that beginning sequence there where
1: exactly.
0: there's that... Transition from being ape to being thinking believer in something up there that I'm holding this up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And- something primal about that act for me, anyway. Yes, exactly.
1: So that kind of covers chalices, I think. You know, no, if you go out to buy one, you do not have to have to go out and buy the fancy ones with the gold and the jewels and all that. Plain works just fine. I'm a believe believer in finding them at the dollar store. Well have- the other the other
0: thing I was gonna mention for because we I'm sure we have a wide range of folks listening out there. But listen, if, if if you look live in a place where all you have is a bag of the red solo cups under the sink or whatever it's probably likely that somewhere in your home, you're also going to have a Sharpie. <laughs> so <you> go. <laughs> just write whatever symbol you want on the side of a red Solo cup and hold it in both hands and hold it up to the night sky and be blessed with it.
1: Exactly. That's the whole point. Yep. You know, we are big believers in witches on a budget, too. <laughs>
0: well, do what you do with what you have in reach. Yep. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint, just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane.
1: Today's tip, trick or witchy hint can best be described as remembering gratitude. Now. I am home, finally, after being displaced by a house fire for a number of months. My room has been repainted, I have a new bed, my flow paintings depicting the four elements and the divine of the universe, which reminds me of my internal spark of the divine, are back up on my walls, my computer system with the nice double monitors and all the fancy bells and whistles that I love has been replaced. I have a new printer and of course I get stuck looking at what the salvage company did not consider important enough to save, like my collection of style candles, my big single white copal, my affinate seems to have disappeared into the great beyond, and just a bunch of other little witchy things, tools, etc. that I would have that I'm going to have to replace. So of course I'm sitting here mumbling and grumbling and carrying on. And I realized, and I keep preaching, for want of a better word, that you don't need the tools and the tools aren't aren't what make you a witch or that you don't need them and all you really need is your finger instead of an anthem, and it kind of got me out of my funk and focused more on the blessings that I do have. One of the best ways I have learned over the years when I get in one of those moods is to actually make a quick gratitude list of 10 things that I am grateful for right at that moment. And I usually put I'm breathing at the top of the list considering the alternative. It's something you can try when you're in one of those moods or you just need to recognize that the universe is more on our side than we think it is sometimes. Another way to do this is to stop throughout the day for a minute or two stop and literally write down two or three things at the moment that you're grateful for. You'll be surprised and it can be quite a creative exercise at the same time, which also gets your brain thinking and remembering all the magic that you are and that is available to you at all times from the universe. Gratitude and that whole attitude of being grateful, we find on the path (laughs) helps us work towards that ideal balance, because we're not always focused on the negative all the time, which pessimistic people like myself tend to do. You know, things may be going great and I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that whole attitude of gratitude tends to shift my mindset. Being grateful for what the universe can give us can also help us or help me and maybe you. With that whole face piece that magic works that you kind of have to have if you're going to sit down and do spell work in the first place. So with that being said, try writing a gratitude list. I'm sitting here working on one myself right now. And as I said, I started out with breathing. I moved on to the fact that my room is in much better space than it's been a long time. The energy of my whole home is lighter and brighter than it's been since my daughter died. And that's a big one. You know, I have my modern technology that allows me to record and create these tip tricks and witchy hints and podcasts and sends them out into the universe for hopefully you to enjoy. I have my grandchildren who, because they're teenagers, drive me nuts on a regular basis, but they're wonderful, helpful people and I'm taking great joy in seeing the adults they are turning into. So with that being said, Why don't you grab a pencil or a pen, a piece of paper, make a list on your phone, type on your computer. Just make that gratitude list today and just see the blessings that you do have. And with that, I wish you mirth and reverence in all things. It looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two
0: Young Crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook.
1: Until then, remember... We are witches who work with energies to affect change.
0: We are believers in both immanent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane.
1: We are seekers of knowledge.
0: And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mode it be. So mote it be.